Today is Thursday, May 6th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 407 featuring longtime NBA writer Ian Thompson is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today and use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% sign-up bonus. Well, here we are again, twice in one week for a little Celtics beat talk, Boston Celtics talk. Why? Why two in one week? Because when the Celtics go out and win by like 75 points, it just feels like something you're supposed to celebrate. That and we want to please our advertisers. So thank you very much for being here with us. We've got Ian Thompson. He is, of course, very familiar to our listeners, I would think. Been uh, on the show a, a number of times, long time and very successful NBA writer, Evan Valenti, who uh, I think everybody is certainly familiar with at this point as well. Producer, sometimes host of the program. I'm Adam Kaufman. We appreciate you being here. And Ian, you most especially. We'd be here regardless, but you are uh, being particularly generous with your time. How are you? Great, thanks. Great to be with you. Appreciate it. So let's, let's get into this. I, I don't want to spend too much time on the Celtics winning in Orlando like obviously the Celtics were supposed to go out and beat a depleted very uh you know lacking in talent magic team that I mean it was really it, it was the the Mo Wagner bowl it was just the 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 Mo Wagner narrative game for him to go out and and decimate the Celtics there was one point I saw it was a very Sean Grandy tweet from Sean Grandy saying that Mo Wagner had as as much offensive production in his first nine minutes against the Celtics as he had in his entire time with the Celtics. He just went out. He was, you know, blocking guys. He's raining threes, decimating the team until, you know, water found its level and reality set in the Celtics. Like I said, went out and won handedly by uh, just about 40 points. It was not a competitive game. Jason Tatum, terrific. Kemba Walker, outstanding after a four game absence and we'll get into uh, a lot of that him coming back from injuries and the overall rest plan it's been a big talking point Evan Fournier he gets the video tribute and a uh, good successful 18 point performance against his old team Jalen Brown he did not play but according to Danny Ainge earlier today he expects to be back in the lineup Sunday so he will miss this contest against the Bulls Friday night in Chicago but Things are maybe just maybe as we get toward the end of the regular season here and scoreboard watching all of us, Ian, trending in the right direction. What do we think? Uh, we do not know what to think. We know <laughs> the story we'll of the about, Yeah, we know, we know we will not be talking about Mo Wagner like a year from now. Um, yeah. We know that much. Um, but as soon as you think you know what to think about the Celtics, you realize you didn't know what you were thinking about. Um, it's just... And part of it is the season. I, I think it's really hard to draw conclusions from the season overall. Um, I mean, we're going we're heading into the playoffs. There is no super team in the NBA right now. There just isn't because you don't know who's going to be playing for these teams. You don't know who's going to be available, how well they'll be able to play. Um, it's a result of COVID and the compressed schedule, which just to me has been a, a bit of a disaster, uh, a bit of a greedy disaster. Um, that's that's hurt the league rather than at the expense of you know some extra dollars. So you put it all together, and it's I think everybody's just trying to get through the best they can. Everybody, not just the Celtics. It's been infuriating for people in Boston to watch the Celtics, but you are not alone. I think all over the league, except for places like Phoenix, 
Um, it's just been really, really hard to watch this season and to really um, decide on anything to say, okay, this is a fact. This is the way it is. The Lakers are going to win. Well, maybe they aren't even going to get out of the first round now, the way things may be shaping up for them. So might not get to the first round. They might not get out of the playing tournament. Exactly. So it's, it's just a, a crazy year in a sense. It may be the most interesting playoff since last summer. <laughs> yeah. You know, we just don't know what's going to happen, which is unusual in the NBA. But at the same time, how are people going to look back on this season? You know, if the Denver Nuggets end up winning it with Jamal Murray being out, what does that say about the, the credibility of this postseason tournament that's coming up? And that, that really could happen the way they've been able to overcome things. So anyway, point, I mean, as far as the Celtics, this... I just don't know what to, I, I don't know of any conclusions to draw from, except I'm really intrigued to see what is going to happen. To your point though, I mean, we were kind of saying this uh, not a year ago at this point, obviously, but back in the, the August, September playoffs and all that, whenever it was mm-hmm. the year officially finished up, hard to remember at this point, but yeah. you know, the, it, what happened, what, what did end up happening was still what we all thought was going to happen before the pandemic. Hey, the Lakers won out and won the championship. You know, you weren't necessarily expecting Miami to be the team that the Lakers faced, but nevertheless, Los Angeles went out and LeBron Davis, they got the job done. They won the title. So, you know, maybe we water finds its level or whatever, however we want to call it. And it this, you know, coming postseason, the chalk hits again, so to speak, but is there, I guess I can't tell based on what you're saying, if, if you like the, the sort of asterisk element of what's going on right now, you know, if you're one of those people that says eh, last season, this season, it's just, uh, this needs to be viewed differently in the scope of the history of the league, or if it's that much more rewarding for the teams that, and there's a little bit of luck obviously involved, but the teams that do persevere and ultimately come out of this thing successful. Well, it's a great question because we are used to seeing super teams, right? And the golden era of the of the 1980s revolved around two super teams. And you always knew one of them, Boston or LA, was going to be there. And instead of saying, boy, that was terrible, it was the same thing year after year. People look back on that and say, God, it was the greatest thing ever. They were there all the time. They dominated. So that would not work for the NFL, you know. Um, mm-hmm. It wouldn't work for baseball, really. But it's how we view the NBA because of the influence of the great player on on the game. And if you don't have one of those great players, you're not going to win. So are we, are people going to be happy with this kind of NFL-ish parody that may, may come in based on injuries? If James Harden is not able to play, if LeBron is at 60%, you know, are, are people going to be happy with that? I think they won't be. I think as much as they complain about, you know, the NBA being sort of a sure thing all the time, we can see that it's how they've come to judge it. And they, they understand they're going to be disappointed if they don't get to see LeBron play a long time. And if the, the big three for Brooklyn aren't together, uh, then why even watch it? That kind of thing. I think that mm-hmm. will be the approach to this season, even if it turns out to be entirely unpredictable and, you know, all these shocking finishes, it'll be a little bit like if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to see it because I, I just think 
the, the audiences will be smaller if the big stars are not there in force. I did see something, and, and Evan, I'll let you go in a second, but it related to that, just made me think of it. I, I wish I had the tweet handy, but I, I saw someone tweet the other day the ratings, the national ratings for sporting events just, you know, since the return of sports. So going back to, you know, obviously whenever that was, however many months ago, but the return of everything. So last year's, you know, truncated finish to the NBA season, NHL, and, and you know, obviously PGA and, and baseball and football, everything that has been involved. So the top nine highest rated events, there were multiple World Series games in there. There were obviously March Madness. There was nothing from the NBA. There was not one single NBA game in there in, in that top nine, 10 events since the return of sports. And I think some of that is what was going on in the bubble. I think some of that is obviously the, the social justice impact where a lot of people were just kind of out on the NBA coming back last year, including some of the players who didn't even want to come back. There's, there's a very uh, social element to, to it that goes beyond the game and, and beyond the sport. But is there any amount of, I don't want to say NBA popularity is, is decimating because I don't believe that, but I do think there is truth to the off season and free agency and trades and, and, you know, all, all the different things that make the, you know, social media around the NBA and the off season, all of that so electric that does uh, obviously fall absent of, of the regular season and, and even what's happening right now. Do you, do you see there, there being kind of that, correlation to what you're talking about where if LeBron or Harden or some of those guys are unavailable it's like well hell why even try like people just are going to tune this thing out yeah I mean yes and I also think as far as the ratings go you know the the whole entertainment business is in transition and Nielsen which supplies the ratings has just been woefully behind all of this and they they've not been keeping up with the new trends so the system as it's structured right now for TV ratings, the league that's going to be hurt worst of all of them by the lapses in Nielsen's uh, ability to make sense of what's going on is the NBA because of all the young people who watch and they watch on their phones and Nielsen does not have to take into account of that. And it's got a, a, a larger global audience and that doesn't enter into it. So I really think that, that the NBA is under gauged in that way. Um, and eventually that will become apparent. You know, if there was some way to take into account all around the world, the number of people watching, nobody around the world watches the NFL or, and I'm sure I, I know that baseball has some of an international audience, but most of the world never watches baseball, but all around the world, people are watching the NBA. I'm not going to say in huge numbers, but, they do have that to draw from. Uh, and so in that sense, you know, it, it's a technical thing, but it helps guide the perception that people have that the NBA is really suffering right now. I'm sure the social justice component is a big part of it. I'm sure it is. Um, but in these kinds of situations, it's more important to be on the right side of history if you're going to play the long game. This is a league that's been thinking for decades and decades. Sometime in the future, we're going to be number one. And you don't want to squander that by taking the wrong side of an issue that's just so important to your 
your audience. So I just pulled it up real quick just to put a bow on this. Uh, from It's from the Sports Media Watch Twitter account. The 10 most watched non-football sporting events since sports went on hiatus in March of last year. So non-football, because I'm sure that would dominate this top 10. Yeah. So you have uh, Baylor Gonzaga was number one for uh, obviously men's college basketball. Right behind that, Gonzaga, UCLA. Then you have the Kentucky Derby. Uh, as at third uh, very recently here obviously you had world series game six world series game five nlcs game seven masters final round world series game four world series game one kentucky derby 2020 so i mean nothing from obviously the nba even sniffing that and uh, all of those in excess of or or right around you know 10 million plus viewers just i don't know i i find that to be kind of remarkable and also the fact that the NBA Finals was just completely out of schedule and it wasn't the destination viewing thing last year because it just was very, very strange to be playing at that time of year. and mm. It wasn't part of the routine. It is a shocking thing. It is. But I also think that there are, there are reasons to consider um, apart from an idea that the league has just fallen off a cliff. I, I just, I just don't believe that. Yeah. I mean, it's just a weird, it's again, talking about ratings. I mean, it's a, that particular part of last year was such a weird thing. And people are like, well, I'm not watching bubble basketball. There's not fans in the stands. Like there's a whole bunch of elements that are factored in there that, that made it a very strange time for TV viewing. I just, I, I don't put a lot of stock into that. Um, you know, I, I, I believe as you guys believe like the NBA is doing, you know, okay. I think it'll be fine. You know, they're a more global sport than the other, you know, major sports in this country. So I'm not worried about their growth at all or, or their ratings at all. But this season, you know, go back to what, what is going on here this season. It's been really weird. And in Boston's particular case, and you got talk about injuries all over the place, you know, with the, the big three in Brooklyn and of course LeBron and Anthony Davis in LA. The, over the past couple of weeks, I've become more, I guess, just attached to the idea that like, look, this has been one of the weirdest seasons in the history of the sport. Um, and Boston has been affected by COVID and injuries more than any team in the league. And if people might want to call me a homer for that, that's fine. Look at the facts. They've had, they've had more injuries and more missed time due to COVID than anybody else in the league this year. And it's been not just one guy or two guys. It's gone all throughout their entire team from Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Evan Fournier, you know, Romeo Langford. I mean, you name the guy, they've all been affected by something. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, it, getting it back to the Celtics. It's been a very frustrating get, a team to get a hold of. I mean, you take last night in this example, they played the magic last night. They won by almost 40 points. Well, not too long ago, they played a squad in Oklahoma city that had literally, you know, a pretty, a pretty similar skeleton squad to what Orlando had going on. And they came in and embarrassed Boston. Now, Boston made a comeback towards the end and made it really interesting. But at the end of the day, that's still a big L in a race that's getting tighter and tighter and tighter by the second, by the game. So you even look at last night in contrast to what they've already accomplished. It's like what Boston Celtics team is going to end up, you know, at the end of the year being the one that we see. Are we going to get the team that? you know, is fully healthy, which we haven't seen yet at all. As as I keep saying this throughout Twitter this entire week, anybody that wants to talk to me about it, Sean Devaney, great stat. The Celtics have used 32 different starting lineups in 66 games, which is an absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous statistic to keep track of. What do you of. say, none more than four straight games, I think? 
Yeah. They haven't used the same starting lineup for four for five straight games. It's again, otherworldly. And so as we analyze this season, as we come to a close and we're towards the end and we'll get into the play and stuff, we'll get into Kemba and all other stuff. I have become so adamant about the fact like this is the weirdest season of all time. I have spent <laughs> too much time, you know, trying to rack my brain around what is really going on. Again, as we talk with a lot of other people, you know, the Celtics problems are multi-tiered. There is a definite roster problem. Uh, Brad has not been as sharp as ever, but of course, you know, he's not a guy on the floor shooting shots. And there's the, 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 the fluidity of guys that are actually healthy and not healthy changes every single game. So at the end of the day, I'm sitting here at the end of the season and I'm grateful for a few things. One of them being Jason Tatum, another being Jalen Brown, the health of Kemba Walker and just the growth of the, some of the younger guys in this team. And as they get ready for the playoffs and we've had this weird season, I'm kind of just ready for it to start because I'm so exhausted over keeping track of who's healthy, who's available, who's not. Because, and, and, you know, once the playoffs start, I know there's a, there's an end date. There's going to be a, a definitive end date on this season where I can just say, look, I don't have to torture myself anymore watching this team anymore. I can get over the fact that there's so many problems and there's so many different things that you need to change about this team. But at the end of the day, we'll be all done shortly here. I'm just glad that there seems to be an end to this particular race, so to speak. Ian, real quick, yeah, they, real, real quick before you dive into Evan's question about expectations, just related to what Evan was just talking about, assuming you guys haven't looked and cheated, would you like to guess, both of you, the leader for the Celtics in games played this year? It's Peyton Pritchard. I saw this already. Okay, Peyton Pritchard at 60. At 60, and obviously most of those off the bench. He's only started twice. Who's after Pritchard? Isn't that a question? Um, Can't be Daniel Tice. It's it's not. Tice only played in 42. Uh, I got to – I think it'll surprise you if that's a hint. I think it's like Shemi Ojale. Nope. A lot of healthy scratches in there for Shemi. He's at mm. 52. Mm. Jason Tatum has played oh. in 59 games. Well, that makes that oh, doesn't make sense though. That doesn't surprise me. That makes COVID. Sense. No, His but minutes have been ridiculous. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Like Brad was on the radio the other day, maybe it was yesterday, saying he's like, let's not forget, you know, what these guys are going through and how real this thing is. And it, yeah. Brad said, and I, I, I think maybe word for word, but otherwise I'm paraphrasing. But he said he's like, it's, I'm, it's mind blowing that Jason Tatum only missed seven games with everything that he went through with COVID. And he right now, you know, save for Pritchard at 60, but of course, you know, no, no dismissing Peyton Pritchard. I mean, they wouldn't have been where they were at the start of the year without Peyton Pritchard. But, you know, in terms of like your real integral, important starting players, Jason Tatum has played 59 games. The only time he's missed was that COVID absence that he's in many ways still recovering from, even though you wouldn't know it because he's getting like 30 points a game out there, you know, over the course of the last half month or month whatever it's been that's kind of nuts to me that he is first on that list yeah it is well i i keep it i keep advocating for jason tatum rest time at some point in the season and it just seems like that's never going to ever happen because they need him to be on the floor to win games and they have to find a way to you know get their seating to be i mean i know maybe brett doesn't care about seating i would like to you know avoid the playing tournament if i were boston but they need to win games and they need Tatum to play to win games because they have so many other injuries and so many other guys coming in and out that they can't afford to even give him a break. And because of the 
the minutes low that he's had this year, the, you know, his usage rate is through the roof in comparison to what it's been the past couple of years. Like I would love to give him this a little time off, but it seems like that's never going to happen, which is really unfortunate. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I, 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 I derailed I just, us obviously with Evan's initial question. So I'll let you go. No, but, no, it's, it, it's a good point because I just wonder two things. There, first of all, going into the playoffs, they will be able to say, okay, forget about everything that happened. And this is really a new time for us. But I also wonder if, if there's a way to think of this in terms of um, what can they get out of this season, this lost season, which really has been for them. They haven't met expectations. They've dealt with all sorts of problems that have derailed them time after time. Um, they haven't responded in the best way a lot of times to some of this. So can they get something out of it? And I just look at their, their two best players who are still very young and wonder if this is, you know, if, if people will look back a couple of years from now and say they, they maybe they developed some real leadership skills during this troubled season when it was so frustrating. And you've seen both guys, especially Jason Tatum during the games, expressing that frustration and actually, you know, snapping at teammates. And it's all very positive to see that he's he's expressing himself that way. I I just wonder if, you know, the two of them, they get together going in the playoffs and say, okay, let, let's hold everybody responsible. Let's be the leaders here. Let's drive this whole thing, not just with the ball in our hands, but in the locker room, during meetings, um, yelling at guys that don't get back on defense, yelling at guys that don't run with a fast break, the trailer, uh, you know, bad rotations, all of it. And let's make sure we're doing everything ourselves and let's, let's get on everybody else. That would be a tangible thing to draw from this year, from this regular season going into the playoffs. And I think we'll be able to tell if that's happened by the way they do play in the playoffs. If these two guys do come together and they are able to, to show by example how it's supposed to be done in every which way. Um, if that's true, then they have a lot to play for. You know, if this this playoff is going to be run by the team that has it all coming together at the last minute, you know, whether it's Utah, which looked like they, they were really getting things together and now all of a sudden their backcourt is gone. Or, um, Phoenix has come on with Chris Paul, but most of their guys have never been in the playoffs, so who knows what they're going to be able to do. It's, it's all going to be about making a click. People always talk in sports, you can't flick a switch, but this is exactly what this – season is about is flipping that switch just at the right moment and pulling it all together just now and maybe the Celtics have in spite of everything that we've seen they, they have a chance to do just that you know it's well we'll get to Kemba in a second first I want to tell you real quick about uh, of course our great sponsor bet online the fastest easiest way to bet on all your sports action folks Football, it's over. NFL draft is behind us as well. NBA, NHL, MLB, all just heating up here in a lot of different ways, at least toward the uh, postseason for the first two there. NBA title odds, you got the Nets. We don't know if they're going to be fully healthy, but right now you can get plus 200 odds on them winning a championship. I would have got them a long time ago if, <laughs> if I were you and you were a big believer in Brooklyn. Plus 200 doesn't seem like the place to do it. The Lakers plus 375. 
Probably wouldn't do that either, to be honest. The Clippers at plus 600. The Jazz at plus 800. Not a believer in Utah. Haven't been all year. The Bucks plus 1,000. That's kind of interesting, actually, for Milwaukee. And the Celtics, you could have had them at plus 4,000 when things were going well, let alone plus 3,300 when they're up and down. So uh, something for you to think about, I suppose. But eh. uh, betonline.ag, you can also start betting on some of the end-of-season awards, whether that's Most Valuable Player, Sixth Man of the Year, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved Player, defensive player of the year any and all awards that are going to go to uh teams players coaches that aren't part of the celtics this year bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds it's the best way for you to place your bets it is free to sign up folks don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action and don't forget to use the promo code it is clns50 to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit again that promo code is clns50 bet online your online sportsbook experts. Let's talk a little bit about Kemba Walker here because, uh, I, I mean, I figured I was going to lead with him a half hour ago and then we got into obviously some other stuff. But Kemba is, he's a very important talking point. He has been all year long. Brad Stevens has said, Ian, from the very beginning of the year, this is the plan with Kemba Walker. You know, we're not going to push him. We're not going to, you know, have him play any more than is necessary. He's not going to play back-to-backs. We have a very clear-cut you know, rest plan and training plan. And, and the, the optimal, you know, outcome here is that he is the Kemba that we all know and love come the postseason because he, in many ways, and this is, you know, Brad has acknowledged that this, not his words, but he has basically said, Kemba's our X factor, you know, for us to get to where we want to go, Kemba Walker is going to be the guy that, that gets us there. And that's something that Evan's been talking about for quite a while as well. Kemba, if you're identifying an X factor for this team, you know, I would argue it's maybe more Evan Fournier in some ways, but anyone who says Kemba Walker, I get it. I'm I'm not going to gripe with it. He is immensely important to what this club, you know, hopes to achieve. In fact, Brad, I thought really interestingly said on the radio that if, uh, you know, to, to the degree that they are not scoreboard watching or, you know, don't care might be overstating it, but you know, aren't prioritizing the the top six versus being in that play-in tournament. He was asked, you know, look, the, the way this regular season wraps up, you know, look at it right now, Saturday, Sunday, at Minnesota, at New York. Let's say you're at New York on Sunday and you need Kemba Walker to play because, you know, that determines a win there, determines whether you finish in the top six versus wind up in the play-in tournament. Do you play Kemba Walker that back-to-back? And Brad, very matter-of-factly said, no. We don't, we're not playing them. That's, we are true to our plan and that is what is most important. So say what you want, obviously about Kemba, the player and, you know, how you feel about him as, you know, a, a, a fixture on this team and what he can contribute when he's right. We know what it is. I mean, it's still not a contract I'd like. It's still a contract I'd move in the off season if I could. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's, who's, you know, earning $36 million a year to play in half your games. But when he is out there, and we saw it last night in Orlando, 32 points after a nine-day absence due to the strained oblique, so not even the knee, a strained oblique. But he goes out there, he's locked in. Anytime he comes back from a rest, it seems like he's locked in. This is the guy they need him to be in the playoffs. Realistically, can he be, will he be, in your estimation? Can he be, yes, because... Again, just about every team that's in contention has a Kemba Walker that they're hoping will come around and be available. Um, so can can he be that guy for Boston? Yeah, and you're right. And we've seen him the way he's played. 
at times be the old guy, the, the Yukon Kemba <laughs> that can carry, carry a team through. And they kind of need that going into the postseason, right? They need to, that Yukon team way back when didn't do so well during their regular season. And then they came on and that's what they need from Kemba. Now they need to restore that muscle memory in him and have him be that guy. So they go from a big two to a big three. Um, and no one's talking about Gordon Hayward not being here anymore. You know, that you're, you're looking, how do you stop the Celtics now that they have three guys in the last two minutes of a close game and all three guys are really playing well. The ball's moving. They're not over dribbling. All of those things will be ways of judging how well Kemba is playing. I really, I really respect the idea of the back-to-backs this year with him and sticking to it because it is all going to come down to the playoffs. And even if they, even if he had been able to play in every game, they probably still would have been just about as frustrating the team. I mean, because of everything else going on. And then you would have been going in the playoffs wondering how available he'd be. I mean, it's been a long time since I've watched Kendall play and wondered about his knee. It just, uh, you just don't think about it watching them anymore, which means that the, the strategy has worked. Um, so for them to go in with Kemba not worrying about his knee, he's in better shape than Brooklyn is worrying about James Harden, for instance. He's in better shape than the Lakers are worrying about LeBron. Uh, he's in better shape right now than Utah is worrying about Donovan. I mean, you can go through team after team that's worried about a key guy. And it's because they didn't play him in the back-to-backs that they feel better about their key guy than these other teams do about theirs. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that, you know, we are talking about a different level of, of guy with James Harden, the way he can manipulate a game in LeBron. But, like, to your oh, credit, sure. like, it is it is a – it's comforting to, to – I – haven't actually thought about this until you just said it, Ian, but the fact that I haven't thought about Kemba's knee in a while is a really positive thing. Uh, unfortunately, I'm more worried about this oblique strain that he had, but he seems to be moving well. Now, look, I am not going to get ex- ex- really excited and over-the-top excited about Kemba dropping 32 on an absolutely, you know, a depleted magic squad. Okay. I'm just not going to get when also Jalen Brown's not out there. Right. I'm, I'm yeah. not, I'm just not going to get, but like the things that I like to see, the things that I've been seeing all year, it seems like the speed is there. It doesn't seem like he's lagging at all. It seems like that he feels comfortable with his knee. He's attacking the basket. He's going to the free throw line a little bit more. He's getting to the rim. You know, he's had some trouble finishing at the rim this year. I mean, when you're five foot 10, that's just what's going to happen. Um, but I, I feel like he hasn't absorbed as much contact. I think, again, that might be just him trying to, you know, that muscle memory of remembering what the angles are. Oh, yeah, I have to do this to get the big to bite this way so I can initiate the contact and go to the free throw line. You know, some of that stuff of, of, of getting back into the regular speed of gameplay, that seems to be coming back. Again, I've been adamant about saying Kemba Walker is the X factor of this team. If he's any good, this team has a real shot. If he stinks, there's no way. Um, you know, as much as I love Fournier and, and I love his addition, I'm not quite sure if, you know, he's totally ready to be the, you know, second banana or a third banana team trying to win the NBA title. I think I'm a little bit more comfortable giving that particular role to Kemba Walker. But, you know, Kemba, when things are right, and you saw it again a little bit last night, the ball, he's attacking the paint, the ball's moving inside and out, they're finding open shooters. It was a great 
uh, passed by Kemba last night. I believe it was in the second half. Kemba drives, gets to the baseline as a wraparound pass to Peyton Pritchard up top for about 28 feet, and he buries it. You know, that that's kind of the stuff that you're looking for. The ball moves around, hits different guys. Guys are getting a rhythm, and that's that's what this team looks like when things are going well. The issue, again, with everything we've talked about is this team maintaining that rhythm for stretches of time. And, you know, Kemba Walker finding a way to play in every single game as we have the playoffs, that's going to absolutely help. Having guys available for every single game of the playoffs is going to help. Uh, I just think with Kemba, his his workload um, is, is something that you have to monitor just because, you know, again, he, at any time, I'm not quite sure what, you know, what his knee looks like, but I'm always going to be somewhat, you know, cognizant of the fact in the playoffs, different level of basketball, right? Guys play harder, follows a harder defense. Every possession matters. It's a little bit different, but from what we've seen so far, I mean, I'm, I'm encouraged and, I, and I'm, I'm happy that um, they've been able to bring him along and they haven't had it really, you haven't heard of a setback. The, the things that have happened to Kemba Walker have been other unfortunate ailments, but this, the knee seems to be okay. Again, the, the performance last night, you know, isn't going to get me too revved up other than the fact that his rhythm looks good. He's getting to the basket, getting to the free throw line and doing normal Kemba Walker things and how his game can help the Jays and and take some you know a little bit off their plate is going to be massive because those two guys have been through enough this year and they need a little bit of help in my opinion. Yeah, no, and th- I'm really glad you brought it up, Evan. There's no way I'm trying to compare um, Kemba to LeBron or James Harden. They are so much more important. But all of these teams, they need all their key guys, and if mm-hmm. you're missing one of them, they're they're not going to be able to win. And if the Celtics don't have Kemba, they He's their third guy, but it's enough to throw everything off balance and make it impossible for them to win. I mean, it's almost why for for years I've been saying Milwaukee just doesn't have enough around Giannis, and Giannis isn't the kind of guy to win a championship. But this year he might be able to do it because if if things break badly for the the opponents, and maybe they do have enough. Well, if that's the case, then maybe the Celtics have enough to go far. I'm not saying win a championship, but to go farther than you would have thought based on what we saw during the regular season. And I totally agree with you. Kemba Walker's the a, a key to all of it. Well, I just think part of it, and we're implying it, but just to say it is balance, the trickle down effect. You know, you don't have Kemba obviously and smart is starting and, and then that much more influence is, is needed from Peyton Pritchard off the bench and, and on and on. If, if we could live Ian for a moment in this, fantasy universe where everybody's healthy for the Celtics come the postseason. I know very unlikely, but you know, as we haven't seen it in a full regular season, why the hell would we over a, a couple month playoff? But let's, let's just imagine what that looks like. Now, if you look at this roster, because we've spent a lot of time criticizing the depth over the course of this season and the bench in particular, and I don't know. I mean, Tatum, Brown, Kemba, Smart, Fournier, Robert Williams, Tristan Thompson, Peyton Pritchard, and let me just, for the sake of what we've seen recently, put Aaron Neesmith in that conversation. Let's do it. That's, that's nine guys, okay? That's that's your nine-man playoff rotation in in your ideal world. So, sorry, Grant. Sorry, Shemi. Sorry to my my favorite player in the world, Jabari Parker. Those are your guys. Are we undervaluing what this team is actually capable of if they are at full strength? 
Well, then the, then the second part is the, the part that comes off the paper and that's how do they play and how hard do they play? And sure. Yeah. Effort's uh, been an issue you know, yeah. And uh, ball movement. Do they share the ball? Do they make quick decisions. <clears throat> you know, that's so important. If you have Kemba in the game, if the ball's not moving, then the idea of having a healthy Kemba Walker is kind of negated because you aren't making use of three guys anymore. If the ball's not moving, they're just so much easier to guard. Whereas if it is moving, and you have three guys and they can score from a variety of positions, Kemba with those runners and floaters, um, the other two guys driving inside if they don't like the three-pointer, they just become harder to guard. So, uh, and then the other guys they have around them, you know, are threats too in complementary ways. Nonetheless, I, I, that's what's been so frustrating watching them is that you just ne- have not known what they stand for, who they are, are they are they an underperforming team? Are they a smart team? Or are they just another NBA team? And there have been a lot of times this year when you watch them, you're like, yeah, it's just like every other team out there. And they they just don't they just don't think through the game. They don't share it. They they just they just stand around dribbling or they dribble into a crowd or all these things that drive you crazy watching. And they're not the attributes that that you think about when you think about Celtic contending teams. I mean, the Celtics invented that whole idea of moving the ball and pushing the pace and beating the defense before they could set up. They invented all of that stuff and the Celtics have kind of undermined that at times this year. That's why this, this postseason is such a great opportunity for them to start anew. So yeah, if they're healthy and they, they have all their guys healthy, now there's no excuse. There's zero excuse. They should be playing hard should be running as often as they can. They should not be settling for three after three after three when they're not making them. You know, they should be uh, should be going inside to draw fouls, not just to make shots. Um, God, Jason and Jalen are not even in the top 40 in free throws, three throw attempts, I think, in the league. And that's just ridiculous. Um, so all these things have to happen. You can't take it for granted that will happen based on what we've seen, but if they're all healthy, it gives it a chance of happening. Then it's all up to them. Yeah, and they picked a hell of a time the 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 end of the bench sort of to start you know having some cohesion and, and starting to get things clicking in the right direction. I mean, I look at you know this is the one thing that people have been on Danny for for a lot of his you know recent draft picks have been misses. These guys haven't contributed. Blah blah blah. blah you know, Carson Edwards, Romeo Langford, Grant, whatever. What you're, what's really important for Boston and what, and the development recently has been in a really good trend is, is the emergence or reemergence or just the, the, the fact that these guys seem capable now. You know, Aaron Neesmith, who's up to what, what's he almost up to like in his last, you know, 10 games or so, five games or so is, you know, shooting the hell out of the basketball right now. I mean, he's much more confident defensively. Like, yeah, he picks up fouls. Every rookie's going to do that. Uh, I'm not really worried about, but the fact that he's playing sound positional defense now understands where his rotations have to be. That's important. That's a big thing. The shooting is huge. I said it at the beginning of the season because he has no clue where to be on defense. Neesmith has to earn playing time with his shooting. If he's not shooting the ball well, he's never going to see the floor, right? And what we always hear about rookies towards the end of the year, they're going to hit a rookie wall because they haven't played that many games ever. They haven't played in that much, you know, a, a big of a stressful environment ever. They're, Practice is different, all this other stuff. Well, Neesmith really hasn't played. 
So that rookie wall, in my opinion, like doesn't exist because he hasn't played basketball really that much over the past two seasons, played a half a year uh, in college. And then, you know, this year has been spotty up and down. Now he's been playing more cohesive, more consistent basketball. He's finding a lot more time and how his presence can help Boston with their floor spacing, right? If you have, again, this is theoretically, if you have, you know, shooters spaced on the perimeter, it makes life easier for Jason and Jalen to drive the basket. So you'll be able to get easier shots at them to the free throw line. If you have a guy like Neesmith who's having a hot stretch right now, same for Pritchard. And Pritchard's been, you know, with the exception of a couple of, uh, you know, stretches of games, he's been unbelievable this year. And people have been on him for things. And, you know, a lot of that, you know, coming off that injury, he was a little shaky coming back. It took him a while to get his footing. But now that he seems to be, again, all the way back, his presence is unbelievable. It gives them another ball handler that can create the offense, but a guy that probes the inside of the defense consistently. As you talked about, Ian, a guy that pushes the tempo, pushes the basketball. You see, I love when he gets the inbounds pass and flies to the floor, even though he's one on four or one on five, he at least prods the defense, gets them to move around, gets their attention, and gets the rest of the subjects, you know, kind of in gear, gets them to move up. You know, let's get in the front court. Let's get something going here. And then a lot of times Boston finds themselves in an advantageous situation. So just the emergence of those two guys or just the cohesion of those two guys has been big. And, like, look, those guys, are they going to make a huge difference, you know, come playoff time? I don't know, maybe. But the fact that they at least show signs of life this time of year is better than than what we've seen already this season. So, you know, you talk about all these you know, other rotations and whatever – the fact that Neesmith and Pritchard are giving you something tangible right now that you can look at and say, wow, that's nice. Let's see more of that. Again, the, fa- the trickle-down effect that you have just from those guys is huge. Again, finding ways to find uh, easier easier days for Tatum and Brown and Kemba and Fournier and Smart, you know, all that stuff's great. You can see the chemistry, the, the energy is different as we get towards the playoffs, talking about clicking at the right time. You know, you, you have Rob Williams starting to play again. You have those two guys stepping up. You see the chemistry starting to change a little bit in a positive direction. And look, can they turn the, the, the can they flip the switch? I don't think this team has that capability. But if they can start playing better basketball, they can make a deep run for sure. I just again, the outcomes are so wild here. I I, I don't know where to, to to how to really pinpoint it down. I have no clue. But I, I will acknowledge the fact that Neesmith. I want and I want to make sure we acknowledge that Neesmith and Pritchard are really starting to play their ass off. Peyton Pritchard, yeah, you know, by the way, is the Celtics' leader in three-point percentage. Just putting that out there. Not yeah. obviously nearly the volume that some other guys like Kemba, Tatum, Brown, even Smart have, but uh, you know, he's shooting about forty-three percent. Really promising for a, a guy in his first year, making taking that extra stride back from the college three-point line to do that. Mm-hmm. It shows how much work he put in before he got here. So, as we uh, you know, run a little lower on time here, looking at the standings and obviously where this thing is going to finish. And we got into this a little bit with Sean last show. Uh, So Sixers, Nets, Bucks, you know, that's your one, two, three in whatever order it turns out to be. Obviously the Celtics aren't sniffing that we know, but they're, you know, the Knicks are in fourth right now who are two games ahead of the Celtics. You have the Knicks in fourth, the Hawks in fifth, the Celtics, technically have the tiebreaker against Miami. So they are sixth right now, but they do have the exact same record as the heat who are in seventh. 
Then you have the Hornets, the Pacers, the Wizards, you know, making up the rest of that play-in tournament as things stand right now. And probably where it's going to fall, I don't think Toronto or Chicago are going to climb into this thing in the final stretch here. So, you know, it's going to be some mixture, obviously, of of probably Celtics, Heat, Hornets, Pacers, Wizards, uh, the 6 through 10 right now. You know, four of those five are going to be in the play-in tournament. And one is going to emerge for the sixth seed. The Celtics' final handful of games here, or half dozen, in Chicago tomorrow night, you have back-to-back at home against Miami, at Cleveland, at Minnesota, at New York. Are these two Miami games going to determine where Celtics fall? They're they're going to be huge, obviously. Um, I was looking at it. I, I think the safest bet is to say the Celtics will be six or seven, you know, and seven obviously is not where you want to be right. <laughs> this year, last year, but um you know, and then you're looking at playing uh, Brooklyn or Milwaukee because I don't think either of those teams is going to catch Philly based on the schedules and the tiebreakers and everything. So mm-hmm. unless the bottom falls out or unless the Celtics just get super hot all of a sudden and talk about, we've been talking about how surprised we've been in a sort of frustrating way all season. This would be the opposite kind of surprise if all of a sudden now they they get their act together and they're the hottest team in the NBA going into the postseason. I don't think anybody would see that coming. So let's not, let's not talk about that. Um, I think they're probably going to end up six or seven. They'll do everything they can in those couple of Miami games to try to make sure they, they finish six. And then it's a question of who would you rather uh, play? Would you rather play Brooklyn or Milwaukee? And um, for me, I think, I'd almost rather play Brooklyn and hope that the injuries go your way, that they're, they're as fragile as they've been. The Harden isn't able to come back. If I'm a Celtics guy, that's, I think what I'd be looking at because Milwaukee has had some frustration and I I think they're going to be really rallying as a team and they haven't had a lot of the the adversity that a lot of these other teams have had to face. So I think they're going to be really rallying going into the playoffs this year they, they're probably the surer thing than Brooklyn. As, as far as trying to predict how this last, these last half dozen games are going to go, I mean, we're looking back on this past regular season and we still can't figure out what happened. <laughs> so I don't know how we're going to be able to predict what's going to happen over Yeah, I mean, that six-game win streak wasn't that long ago. It was only about a month ago, and then obviously all of a sudden they lose four out of five, but since then they've won out three out of four. It's Yeah, they're up and down. I I don't know what you think, Evan. I agree with what you said, Ian, as far as, you know, trying to project ahead of the playoffs and who you'd rather face. It's not because I think Brooklyn's an, an easier out than Milwaukee. I certainly don't. I think overall they're a more talented team, but they're so top heavy and care so little about defense that, you know, if the Celtics were to get hot offensively, you know, it just becomes a shootout. It becomes a situation where you're just, you're trying to outscore the Nets. No easy task, you know, especially if Harden is out there and and that's a, a huge unknown, like you said, but you're trying to outscore the Nets and hoping that you can crack down ever so slightly defensively on them because at least you have the right mindset on defense, whereas they don't. When it comes to the Bucks, you know, I, I think that, they're obviously it's it's Giannis and then the rest in a lot of different ways there isn't necessarily as much you know even top heavy balance as there is in Milwaukee the way I look at or uh, Brooklyn the way I look at it maybe some people would disagree but you know what I'm really driving at is 
you know, while you're trying to outscore the Nets, you're trying to contain Giannis, which they just, they're not equipped to do. You know, love Robert Williams. Please, though. Uh, like Tristan Thompson, they, they don't have the guys to stop Giannis. It's just a, it's a, it's a more imposing, you know, trying to, trying to slow down, um, you know, whoever was from Miami last year, why is his name escaping? Bam? Or Bam, yeah, Bam Adebayo. Like that's, that's what you're trying to do. It's it's, you know, we, like we couldn't stop that guy. Now we're going to try and stop Giannis. And I know they faced him in the playoffs before and they had beaten him in the playoffs before, but I just still don't think that, I don't know. That's, that scares me. Giannis is getting better folks. <laughs> he's, well, he's no proven. doubt. But the problem is their head coach doesn't play Giannis a lot of minutes. And like, we've have uh, evidence oh. of this over the years that, you know, for some strange reason, there's a minute restriction on Giannis, who's like the biggest athletic freak in the league right now. So, I mean, I, I get the Brooklyn argument because they're not healthy, but if they're healthy, they're unbelievably talented. And I, oh, Boston yeah. doesn't have the defensive chops to hold up with them. I mean, I think, look, Brown is a great individual defender at times. Tatum is a great individual defender at times. And Smart, we all know, is all-world defense. But, you know, they have three guys that are really difficult to contain. And if they're all humming – the Harden piece becomes the most frustrating one because like he has the ability to not only score on you in, in just in, in a variety of different ways, but he can also, you know, he's an incredibly good passer. I mean, he's, he averaged what in his MVP season, what 11, almost 12 assists a game. I mean, he's there. There, I think a much harder math problem to solve than the Bucks. And be frankly honest. Oh, if, if, if Brooklyn is healthy, if Brooklyn and the Lakers are both healthy, it's just a no-brainer. They're right. beating in the finals. It's like a, a sure thing. But Harden, you don't know if he's going to be available. And then is uh, Durant going to be able to play in every game in a mm-hmm. playoff series? And when you, if you take that into account, and now it's Kyrie with a bunch of guys who aren't capable of playing defense, you might still lose. But at least you have a better chance, I think, than you would against the Milwaukee team. That is, as you say, uh, Budenholzer has admitted last year that he didn't coach the best in the playoffs, and he's he's learned from that stuff. And so maybe he will play on the more minutes. Maybe he will have more adjustments. You know, he'll let his assistants, he'll accept some of his assistant coaches' suggestions on things we ought to be changing up now in reaction to what's going on. Um, the fact that he's a, he's owned up to some failures in the past, I think is a very positive sign for them going into the playoffs this year. So, and then the key with Giannis is if you want to beat him, you have to make it. So it's a tight game the last couple of minutes and he has to create plays as their best player. And he's just not, still not great at that. I mean, he's one of the elite players in the NBA, but out of that group, he's the only guy that still really can't create his own shot. The way you think of the, the great MVPs being able to do it the way LeBron or, you know, Durant or Michael Jordan or Larry Bird, all those kinds of guys. Giannis doesn't have that skill set still. So if, if you keep him out of the open floor and you make it a tight game in the last couple of minutes and put the pressure on him to do something that he really doesn't feel comfortable doing, then maybe you have a chance. Nonetheless, put it all together based on the, the fallibility physically of Brooklyn, I think that's the team that the Celtics should be hoping that if they can hold on to where they are, they should be hoping that's the team they'll face in the first round. Uh, knowing that they'll be underdogs, but maybe things break their way and they have a chance. 
You talk about ratings. That might be a good ratings boost for the NBA. You have, you know, the, the Nets, although the best, the best outcome here for the NBA is the Nets get the Knicks in the first round. I mean, that would be just yeah. unbelievably good luck for the NBA in terms of ratings. Mm-hmm. But I think Boston, you know, with the Kyrie connection, uh, would be another fascinating, uh, you know, matchup that would, that would do well, I think, ratings wise. And again, if, especially if Brooklyn has everybody, then it becomes a whole different story. But again, I, I have a hard time banking on, on just like hoping that Brooklyn's hurt. And, and but to your point, Ian, if you're going to grab Brooklyn at any point in the playoffs, get them yeah. first when they're not, yeah. you know, there might, you know, Harden's come off that injury a little rusty. There might be mm-hmm. a little miscommunication. The chemistry might not totally be there. Maybe I'll give you a little bit of credit on this because I wasn't really thinking about this. Maybe that's the reason why you want to play Brooklyn because they're not going to be totally centered. They're, if you play them and you know they get their footing and all of a sudden they're humming again, then you really don't want to play them. Then they definitely <laughs> doesn't matter what round you get them in, you're going to get beat unless you're the Lakers and LeBron and Anthony Davis are healthy. So maybe maybe I overthought that. Maybe it's maybe it needs to be Brooklyn. That so Adam should the Celtics be praying that they get Brooklyn in round <laughs> one? Is that is that the tag we have to go with here? Here's your tag. If we get a Nets Lakers NBA Finals, I'm rooting for another league stoppage. <laughs> well, that would be a rating straw. To, that's that's your uh, tag. Ky- Kyrie Lebron. That would there's be a just rating. there's no good outcome there if you're a Celtics fan. Either the <laughs> Lakers win another one and Lebron. Although I think Celtics fans honestly, you know aren't as obsessed with the LeBron number of titles thing as maybe some other people, but no, but we are obsessed about the number of titles that this, the Lakers claim to have. Exactly. So that's the, Lakers, the worst thing that the, that's, we can still fight about the Lakers minus Minneapolis continue to narrow their gap against Boston or, you know, Kyrie Irving and the Nets in particular, after the trade that was supposed to have embarrassed them for a lifetime in giving away all those first round picks, the Nets find a way with your guy to rebuild faster than you. There's just, there's no good outcome there. So I'm out. <laughs> I, won't get I, don't, I don't want it. Uh, yeah. You sound like Mark Cuban on Shark Tank. Or... Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> that's or, or like uh, Randy Jackson on idol. That's, that's a no for me. Dog. No for me, that's, dog. Yes. <laughs> this show powered by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign up bonus. Ian, it's always a great pleasure having you on the show. We'll do it again during the postseason for sure. And uh, it'll be interesting. You know, I, I think, I don't know about you guys, I think the Celtics ultimately they will be the six. You know, we won't have to deal with the play in tournament despite all the time worrying about it. And, you know, then whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But uh, at least we can maybe try and dodge that bullet, assuming they finish strong. But I, I do think they're going to, just based on what their matchups are coming up here. There's going to be more surprises in this postseason than I think we've we've seen in a long time, just because you won't know who the players are going to be. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then you won't know how they're playing. So I think that that's that's all that Boston can hope for is to have that kind of environment be interesting again ian thompson of course uh follow his work make sure you do a lot of great stuff out there and evan valenti always a pleasure my friend we'll do it again uh next week sometime as we will inch closer and closer to the postseason thanks all for being with us uh leave a rating review subscribe all that good stuff you know how podcasts work by now we'll see you later